According to the diaries, you know, the weather got really bad and they lost their way. Well, once they realized that they were not where they needed to be, they were like, the hell with it, we're going to set up camp right here. Whereas they could have gone a mile downhill and been like in forested, covered area. Keep in mind, it's snowing, blah, blah, blah. Well, they talked to that Yuri guy, the one survivor, and he said that he thinks they didn't want to lose that altitude. They didn't want to have to go down a mile just to come back up. Yeah. And with them being experienced, they thought that they were good. They were like, fuck it, we'll just stay right here. <clears throat> so they were supposed to send a telegram to somebody by February the 12th. When they didn't show up, they didn't really worry about it because delays happen. On the 20th, their families were like, no, y'all better fucking go out there and find these people. If something's up, y'all better go out there and fucking find these people. So they started searching. Even the military got involved. They had planes and helicopters. It's February 26th, they found their campsite. The tent was half torn down. It was cut open from the inside, they say. They found nine sets of footprints, obviously human, some of them wearing only socks, some of them barefoot, some of them had one, one had one shoe on. So they found, you know, they're, they're searching, they're searching. They found um, the remains of a fire. So they had left their tents, come over here, started a fire. So they found the fire and they found the first two bodies. Those bodies are only wearing their underwear. Branches from a tree by where they found all this were broken five meters high. What's that? That's like 15 feet, right? Yeah. Five meters, 15 feet? Um... So they're saying that they were that they climbed it trying to look for something. In the campsite that they found, there was a pole with a torch, and it was still burning. What kind of torch would still be burning? Like a tiki, probably like a tiki torch type thing. After an avalanche, <laughs> they say an avalanche. I say everybody went crazy and murdered each other. Well, we'll get something. We'll get to that. In just I don't a minute. know exactly, but um, avalanches don't. I can go with Rip the your eyebrows thing. off, I don't think. So, but wild animals. Maybe it was a 3,000 mile an hour. Hold on, because I've got stuff for all this. <laughs> and that's actually similar to the West Memphis 3. They were in water and animals ate them. Yeah. They eat soft tissue. That's a whole big thing. But the rest of it makes But why no were sense. they in the water? Animals didn't make them in get naked. In sub-zero temperature. Animals make, didn't make them get naked and start a fire. Exactly. I've never met a so, turtle that made me start a fire. Have you? Never. Um, that'd be the worst turtle. Right. <laughs> uh, but check it out. So... They're, they're still walking, they're still looking. They find three more bodies, and there's no specifics. Um, you can How far away does Um, It did not say. It gave random, but I couldn't. I didn't know okay, yeah, where, so whatever. Um, they, just, they found three more bodies going from the tree trying to get back to the camp. Remember, because they think that they were trying to find the camp from the tree. And why didn't the fire people go with the tree people? Whatever. It's you know, so weird, there's right? No, there, but they found three more bodies, and they say that they were found in poses that um, showed they were likely trying to return to camp. So they died mid, mid walk, or they're fa they're all facing. And how much clothes did they have on? And they're spread out. Um, it doesn't say about those. So they're probably fully clothed. That I would have said. Something. No, I don't think anybody was fully clothed. Oh. I'll get to that in a minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> the remaining four were not found until over two months later on May the fourth, under thirteen feet of snow, in a ravine two hundred and forty six feet from the tree. Which would support the avalanche theory. They were all wearing clothes of the ones who were wearing no clothes. So this yeah. one went and took Ted's I pants. I was with you until put them on. they got the wrong clothes on. 
So frozen in place makes sense, but not wearing the wrong clothes. Not wearing the wrong clothes. Like, so you went out there beforehand with the wrong clothes on and then happened to get hit by an avalanche? That's so many weird coincidences. I'm just going to put this out there. I have been camping in a tent, obviously not in sub-zero temperatures. Is it just one tent that I'm sharing? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I do not take my clothes off when I go camping. No. (laughs) You want to stay warm as possible. Why would they be sleeping in their wet. underwear? It's because it's their outside clothes were wet and they couldn't put them on because it would stay wet. They but they're experienced hikers, so they know to bring sleep clothes. You don't sleep naked in a tent when you're... I don't give a shit where you are. You don't sleep naked in a tent. That's just fucking weird. I've slept naked in a tent. They probably didn't have enough room to carry <laughs> the extra clothes. All right, so it was originally speculated that they were attacked by the Manzi people who were reindeer herders local to the area. And they thought that they got pissed that these people had encroached on their land, remember, because they deviated from their original thing. But they talked to these people, and there were no other footprints. So they're like, no. Okay. Um, Some of the bodies had, and all it said is, some levels of radiation on their clothes. I don't know what type of radiation, you know, it's all good. Um... They said that the fatal injuries could not have been caused by humans because the force of the blows had been too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. Some of them had broken ribs, but no cuts or anything. Like, they're broken on the inside, but the outside is fine. Yeah? No, the opposite. Like, they broke their ribs without breaking anything underneath. How do you even do that? Yeah, I don't know. Like, they, you'd have to have, like, a oh, big squeeze well, thing to do it without thing. squeezing too hard. But like no like, human could squeeze just enough to... That's weird as shit. Says the release the documents fuck? had no... Now, inform- that supports the avalanche. Yeah, tons of snow going says down Says release documents had no information about the condition of the skier's internal organs. So, we don't know if their shit was busted or not. It didn't talk about it. It was just like, broken ribs, skin is fine. That's all you get. So... The official conclusion was that they died from a comp- compelling natural force, and the case was closed in May of 1959. All of those files were sent to a secret archive. Film from the cameras were later donated to the Dyatlov Foundation. Oh, and I forgot to say, um, it, they named it Dyatlov Pass because the leader of that group, his name was Igor Dyatlov. Um, the diaries of the hikers became public domain in 2009. You can go to dyatlovpass.com. There's pictures, all of their diaries. Um, you know, they're written in Russian, but it looked, they've been translated. I didn't read through all of them, but the ones that I saw had been translated. So now we get into, like, the weird shit. On April 12th of 2018, one of the bodies was exhumed because of from pressure from journalists at a Russian tabloid. I don't know how exhuming bodies work, but doesn't it have to be? Doesn't a family member have to say? But this a is court, Russia, so I don't know. Even here, a court can order it. Yeah. But could, like, the New York Times be like, you got to dig up Kelly's body? Because this is what happened. If they gave enough bullshit and the courts were like, we're going to do it just to everybody to shut the fuck up and maybe the family was either all dead or said, we're cool with it, that's probably what happened. Yeah. Um, Or Vladimir Putin was like, you're going to fucking do it. So I don't know how it happened, but a group of journalists at a Russian tabloid was like, no, we're digging up this body. You know, they had it examined by a new person, blah, blah, blah. They say that that the injuries on that one resembled a person being hit by a car. The DNA analysis did not match any of that person's living relatives. And the victim's name was not even on the list of people buried in that cemetery. 
A 12-year-old who attended five of the funerals later said that all of their skin had a deep brown tan. Some of the family members came back and said their skin was orange and their hair was gray. And they didn't understand why. That's radiation shit. A group of hikers 31 miles south reported that they saw strange orange spears in the sky the night of the incident. Like fall lightning. What the hell? Similar sightings continuous. February and March, by various people, including military. Military people had called, and I don't know who military people call, I guess they called 911, and said, hey, you know, there's some shit up here. Even meteorological, meteorological services called to report these spheres in this same area. In 1990, the investigator from the original inquest published an article and admitted that they had no logical explanation. They called it a compelling natural force because it sounds good on paper. He said they had no logical explanation for what had happened and said that when he told supervisors about the orange spheres, they told him to shut up, dismiss it, not worry about it. Um, there was no evidence of an avalanche. There's never been an avalanche before or up until now in that area. People say that it's not even avalanche prone. If it was where their camp was situated, it kind of would have went over them. Like, it would have been coming down from here and would have landed on the ground here. It wouldn't have even... You see, I'm doing this like people can see. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> and then again, the torch at the, camp light, at the campsite was still lit. So now there's the conspiracy. A lot of people think it's a Yeti, which that's fun. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I mean, that's fun. So they woke up in the middle of the night and there's a Yeti. And or, they started a fire? What the hell? Well, um, hey, it, I'm in, there's a Yeti. I'm in my underwear. It would Let's be the, start a fire. Maybe Yetis are slow. So they cut their way out, they went running, they built a fire, they climbed the tree looking to make sure the Yeti was gone before they tried to make their way back. Do you know how long it takes to build a fire in the snow? I do not, because oh, I've never done that. <laughs> You're like not outdoorsy people. Yeah, these are just the I feel like that's a solid six to seven minutes of building fire while Bigfoot's, like, trunching around. Maybe. Brr, well, Big maybe Bigfoot's stupid, well, or maybe Bigfoot caught one of them and the rest of them was like... <laughs> He can't count. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, right? Um, another theory is catabotic wind, which is in slopes, the wind comes down and it creates super wind, <laughs> like at hurricane speeds, and they say that can fuck shit up. Some people think it was infrasound, which will induce panic attacks. But now where did this infrasound come from? To Some me, people say it was the wind, just uh, like the catabotic, no, whatever. Right. To me, it sounds like they built their, not built, they made their home or whatever overnight over some kind of weird gas and everybody went crazy. Because none of it explains why some people went with other people's clothes, which was apparently cool with those people, because they're naked and building a Unless fire. Unless they were already the dead. But but those but, but if it was that, an no, avalanche, those, those they wouldn't have died long. But no, the, pe so, the people that stole their clothes, they were they built a fire. So they built a fire with their no, clothes, and then they stole them. The people at the fire were the ones with no clothes. The people yeah. not by the fire. Went so farther. what if the fire people so the, died, the, the, and the people, then these people found them, and they're like, oh, well, they don't need these, so you know, because they're dead or whatever. <laughs> I feel like they would have known if they took their clothes off and all like yeah, that seems way harder to do than stealing their clothes from their tent that they already took off. But then so you'd I have to go back to the tent person. and if there's a yeti there. No, I'm talking about if like they built their if they they built their shit on some weird gas or something. Like maybe it's like a big gone. methane section or something. Like there's a lot of weird underground gas shit in Russia. So a lot of people think that it's infrasound, infra which induces panic attacks. Some people say it was from the wind, just like the catabotic wind. 
and it, it's kind of like, um, I don't know if y'all ever saw that episode of League where they make this, they call it the brown note, and it's a sound that makes you shit your pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same, it's the same concept, it's a sound that makes you go crazy. Um, so some people say it was the wind, just happened to do that. Some people say it was military testing. Some people say it was aliens, that aircraft makes a noise, makes people go fucking nuts. Some people think it was military tests. Apparently, at that time, the Soviet people were doing a parachute mine exercises. And parachute mines, I don't really understand the point of it, but, you know, they drop it and then it explodes in the air. But that would explain the orange spears that people saw. And they're saying that the um, all of their injuries would have been falling debris. Well, also, the thing that I wondered about was the radiation on the bodies. It wouldn't be normal to take a Geiger counter or something over over a body unless you already So how did they find it? Which I had there, not thought of that. That there was, I mean, they had to already suspect that there was radiation. Well, see, that's my air. next one, which in with the military test, some people say they were testing radiological weapons. But then, apparently they didn't find it on everybody. They only found it on one or two. It would have been on everybody. But so why is this one guy radiated? And why or why were they testing, and was the test just wrong? You know, I don't know, but that would explain why their skin was orange and their hair was gray. Supposedly, I don't know about radiation. Um, then a lot of people go back to the hypothermia thing. Apparently, then the ones that didn't have clothes on, they say there's a thing. It's called paradoxical, paradoxical undressing. You, you think you're hot. You think you're your hot. Off. So they took all their clothes off. Um, they found no drugs, no alcohol, except for they said they had one little tiny bottle of, you know, like, bathroom alcohol, like for cuts or whatever. Um, there were no animal tracks, no other human, which is how they outdid the, how they got rid of the Manzi people. Some people have said it was a romantic dispute, <laughs> you know, because it ended up being, what was it, seven guys and two girls, but I still don't think that, and how would everybody have ended up dead if right. that was the yeah. case, so that's just dumb. But that's all I've got. I think it's absolutely military testing. I like the sound one. I feel like there's a lot of evidence that does support avalanche, though. Because av Why was the torch still lit? And there's never okay. been an avalanche in the... Not even... Again, there's never been one in that area. But natural disasters do happen Well, I'm randomly. still wondering why somebody broke out so, the Geiger count. <laughs> like, yeah. That's so, what means, but somebody if you're, had some idea of what went on there. If you're hiking all day and, you know, you set up camp wherever you decide to set it up at, generally you're going to take off all your outside clothes, let them dry out, let them air out, whatever. So that would explain you being in your underwear. In sub-zero temperatures, your shit won't dry out. It'll just fucking freeze, won't it? It'll be in the tent. Yeah. You, I still, you're not, hang, you're not hanging your shit outside. You're hanging it in the tent. So it ain't it, that much warmer in the tent. I mean, tent, uh, tents can actually be very warm. I'm still absolutely against avalanche. So I just don't believe it. If you are sleeping or almost asleep and you hear an avalanche coming in the middle of the night, you know, fucking snow is blowing everywhere, so you already can't sleep far anyways. You don't know if that avalanche is coming for your tent. So you're going to freak out, you're going to jump up, get the fuck out of the way is going to be your first priority. Well, again, I also have a pri Was it faster to cut their way out than do the zipper? Yeah. They mean, had to If they weren't wearing any clothes, they didn't have a knife in their pocket, so they had to find their yeah. knife. Why not just use the zipper? That freaks me out, too. 
<laughs> what you got? And do I you mean, know what? I, what does an avalanche sound like? I would sit up and I'd be it's like, loud. I would be like, y'all yeah. fucking hear that? What the like fuck a, is that? Probably, I would so, sit there for like five minutes. Imagine fucking yeah. the snap, crackle, pop on fucking Rice Krispies. Five million times louder, just progressively getting so Okay, loud. but if you're in a tent, you've never been in an avalanche before, you're fucking naked except for your underwear, it's negative 36 degrees outside. They wouldn't have had time to go outside and do anything. But you wouldn't even know, you wouldn't go, oh, need to cut my way out because here comes an avalanche. You would sit there so long. Okay, so if they freaked out and, and jumped up and, you know, cut their way out, or even if they unzip, the first priority is get the fuck out of the way of the avalanche. Okay, and then after everything settles down, the avalanche actually didn't hit your tent, but now you're out here in the fucking dark. You don't know where you're at. You ain't got any clothes. So your your priority is going to be to stay warm, build a fire. Obviously, in sub-zero temperatures, building a fire, even if you're right next to it, you ain't got no clothes on, you're going to die. How far so, is... I can't do it in my mind. How far is 250 feet? Like here to y'all's mailbox? No, that's only 50 feet. So, across the street. Across the street? Yeah. Because remember, they were only 246 feet from the campsite. But again, it's dark. But it's, they had a torch. It's dark. <laughs> it didn't go out. How come the avalanche didn't put the torch out? So, again. <laughs> just, oh, it, you're saying it didn't hit. Just, just, like but, just because there's an avalanche doesn't mean the avalanche is directly where you're standing at. Yeah, the avalanche didn't but hit. But if it's nearby, you're going to hear it. And if you can't see very far already, you're not going to know if it's going to hit you or not. So your priority is just get away from the sound. And then so the orange spears, that's just an added bonus. <laughs> like, or did the aliens cause the avalanche? The shit coming off of their ship caused the avalanche. And that's how, come there, was, the that's mean, how come there was never one before, and that's how come there's never been one after. That, that, the, that works. The orange spears could have been, you know, something similar to like the northern lights. Who knows? <laughs> well, that's all I've got. <laughs> we will definitely I, revisit this I don't, on the I don't, final thought. I don't, I don't know about that, but <laughs> if everybody held together and made, you know, a little campfire to stay warm, at some point, people are going to start dropping off. You know, you're not equipped for the environment you're in. You ain't got no fucking clothes on. Campfire ain't going to keep you warm forever, you know. Somebody climbing a tree. They would be scouting to try to find a location back to where their shit is so maybe they can get their supplies. Somebody lighting a torch. Maybe they're trying to walk around a little bit and navigate. Well, no, hold on, because the torch being lit at the campsite means it was either lit before, which I doubt, because doesn't that, like, draw animals and stuff? You're not supposed to have shit burning when you're sleeping in the woods, right? So they would have had to cut themselves out but then stop and take the time to light a torch and stick it up while they're running from an avalanche. None of it sounds but right. You're, you're, you're going like on the theory that the avalanche just never stops. At some point, it will settle down. Maybe that's when they started getting their bearings. Like, okay, it's over with. Let me try to figure out how the fuck I'm going to survive right now. <laughs> so, if there was a torch lit at the campsite, maybe the motherfucker that climbed a tree was like, okay, I see, you know, what looks like our shit over here. People go over there and light a torch so they can see to get some kind of supplies, some kind of clothes to help protect themselves and survive. So an avalanche absolutely explains every bit of that. Does it explain why they didn't have eyes? 
Remember too? Oh. Also, it doesn't explain why they broke out the Geiger counters, which is fucking massive. <laughs> which I didn't even think to look at why. I was so, just like, oh, okay, that's a thing that they do here. So not not having eyes and stuff would be wild animals. But they were under 13 feet of snow. Okay, but you know what happens when snow melts, right? But the snow didn't melt because they were under 13 feet of snow. Okay, how do you... <laughs> How do you know they didn't die? Wild animals fucking... Ate them and then it snowed ate, later. And then it snowed later. That's right, because it was about two months before they yeah. found them. Yeah. It's not like they found them the very next day. <laughs> we don't have to do this with final thoughts again. Let's like, <laughs> let's like Ellie go. Alright. <laughs> so, for my topic, I picked the mafia hit on Fidel Castro, which is quite possibly one of the best conspiracies ever. Really. And the reason is... Because it's not conspiracy theory, it is conspiracy fact. And the reason that we know it's conspiracy fact is because of something called the Family Jewels. And we might have talked about the Family Jewels before on your MK Ultra episode because that's part of it as well. I don't think we did. Well, remember, because I did zero reason. <laughs> I, don't remember, I don't remember that. Part. All right, so the Family Jewels. <clears throat> In 1973, CIA Director James Schlesinger commanded senior officers to compile a report file of all the shady shit that the CIA had done over the past several years. And the reason that they did this was because there was so much pressure from the press over Watergate that the CIA had been involved in Watergate. So this Schlesinger guy was just like, I need to know what we've been into. <laughs> what bullshit have we done? <laughs> yeah, what, what, what have we done? Right <laughs> so, what they came up with was 693 pages of memos detailing all kinds of shit that the CIA had been into from 1959 to 1973. In June 2007, CIA Director Michael Hayden released most of these documents on the CIA website. And this is after years of denying requests by the press and Freedom of Information Acts and all kinds of shit like that. And the reason they did it is that they were trying to cast aside their reputation as this, like, you know, shady, secretive society type of, you know, agency. And they're like, you know, look at all this reform we've done. We did all this bad shit in the past, but... Look how cool we are now. Yeah. <laughs> Stand-up citizens now, you guys. So, <laughs> <clears throat> within the family jewels... It's all this shit about the mafia hit on Castro. So, and that's what I'm about to talk about now. And there are so many motherfuckers involved in this plot that I'm actually going to take the time to introduce people before I even talk about the story. <laughs> so, the players in this story. We got President John F. Kennedy. We got Attorney General Robert Kennedy. Frank Sinatra. FBI Director <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover. CIA Director Alan Dulles, Sam Giancana, the Chicago mob boss, Johnny Roselli, or Handsome Johnny, who oversaw Vegas casinos for the mob. Both of them had worked together under Al Capone. Robert Mayhew, who was a CIA middleman, and he was just shady enough to where he could kind of play both sides and be the buffer between the agency and the underworld. He also worked as a private fixer for billionaire Howard Hughes. The pretty and pink guy? No, that's no. not Hughes. <laughs> Howard Hughes is the aviator guy. Santos Traficante. 
Spanish-speaking mafia boss who ran casino operations in Havana, Cuba. Dan Rowan, one half of comedy pair Rowan and Martin, and secret lover of Giancana's girlfriend, Phyllis McGuire, a well-known entertainer at the time. Tony Verona, exiled Cuban freedom, freedom fighter. William Harvey, CIA agent and expert in covert ops. <laughs> Richard Kane, Chicago mobster and double agent. And President Lyndon Johnson. So all these motherfuckers are involved in this conspiracy. Oh my god. <laughs> so, at the beginning, the mafia ties to government, the Kennedys, and the CIA all came about through a mutual friendship with Frank Sinatra. Because Frank Sinatra knew everybody. So what happened is, is that Sinatra was approached by Joseph Kennedy, who was the father of Robert Kennedy and John F. Kennedy, and the hopes was that uh, they could gain mob support for John F. Kennedy's presidential campaign. That was before he had <coughs> And Sinatra was like, you know, that seems pretty fucking unlikely because Robert Kennedy was really vocal against the mob. Like, really vocal against the Teamsters, against Jimmy Hoffa, against all of that. But Sinatra was like, you know, I'll meet with him anyway and you know, we'll see what happens. So, the mob was like, we hate Robert Kennedy because, you know, he's always talking shit. Fuck that guy. <laughs> but it might be pretty neat to have a president as an ally. So they got behind John F. Kennedy. And he ended up winning the election, as we all know. <laughs> the CIA had begun to plot Castro's assassination under Dwight Eisenhower. It was before Kennedy. But when Kennedy took office in 1961, he kind of embraced this plan. He was like, yeah, Castro sucks, so yeah, we're just going to continue and try to get rid of fucking Castro. <clears throat> Nobody really knows how much Eisenhower or Kennedy knew about the precise plans because there was this um, practice of plausible deniability where, you know, <laughs> they wanted to shield the higher-ups. Yep, you don't tell them nothing. Yeah, so they wanted to shield the higher-ups so that they wouldn't really know. But Hey, we should not we should adopt that here just real quick. If y'all kill somebody, don't tell me about it. <laughs> don't tell me about it. You're going to help me hide the body. <laughs> but, like, we've talked about this before. Somehow I'm making it where I just don't know it's a body. Oh. Like, <laughs> you know? Help me bury these trash bags. Yeah, yeah, I got all these really heavy bags out here. I need, <laughs> I need you to dig a hole. You know, I, I, I'm just wimpy and I just need some help. Yeah, I'll go with it. And that's all I need to hear from y'all. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> so, in September of 1960, Robert Mayhew, who you remember is the fixer for Howard Hughes and everything, approached Roselia and Giancana at the Boom Boom Room at Miami's Fontainebleau Hotel and offered them $150,000 to kill Castro. <coughs> what year is this? <coughs> 1960. The monsters turned down the money and offered to do it for free because they had their own reasons for hating Castro. Because the mob had been running a pretty successful you know, casino prostitution operation in Havana, Cuba, which was shut down by Castro, so he was fucking with their money. Yeah. Don't also, fuck with the money. Everybody knows that. Yeah, don't fuck with the mob's money. But also, they're like, this is going to get us a get out of jail free card because we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're helping the CIA. So they're like, no, keep your money. We got this. We, we, got, we got this. The plan almost failed before it even began due to a love triangle between Giancana, his girlfriend Phyllis McGuire, and Dan Rowan. Giancana enlisted, enlisted two CIA operatives to bug Rowan's hotel room as a favor. 
Because he had suspicions that his girlfriend was sleeping with Rowan. Oh, and Lord. <laughs> There's too many people involved. You get fucked up when you got too many people. Yeah. So he had these suspicions, and he wanted to catch them. And, you know, the CIA at that point was buddy-buddy with So they were like, yeah, we'll do it. The FBI found out. And they're like, oh, shit. So they busted everybody. And they're like, this is a big motherfucking bust. Because not only do we got the mob, we got two mob people, but we also got two CIA people. And all these people are going down for this illegal, like, wiretapping shit. So then, <laughs> the CIA director had to have a very embarrassing sit-down with J. Edgar Hoover, who was the director <laughs> of the FBI, where he had to explain how the CIA had enlisted these people to kill Castro, and that they needed to drop the charges so that they could go home with their plans. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, J. Edgar Hoover is like, you know, all right, you know, even though this is a big bust. But at this time, the Attorney General, who was Robert Kennedy, also knew about this shit. So he's like, if you want the charges dropped, you're actually going to have to talk to him, who hates the fucking mob. <clears throat> so the CIA had to go to Robert Kennedy <laughs> and, and explain how they had enlisted the mob to kill Castro. And Robert Kennedy was like, fine, okay, I'm going to drop the charges, but y'all need to fucking let me know <laughs> in advance if y'all are going to be doing biz business with the mob anymore. And everybody's like, fine. So all the charges got dropped on that. And they were able to go forward with their first attempt on Castro. So the first, in, the first attempt involved six poison pills created by the CIA's Technical Services Division. So they created these poison pills. I don't know exactly what kind of poison it was. Giancana, Roselli, and Traficante hired somebody that was supposed to spike Castro's food with these six poison pills. Well, this person just ran off with the money and the pills. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, he left with the money and the pills? <laughs> yeah, he just ran off with the money and the pills. So, first attempt, nothing happened. The CIA and the Mafia then teamed up with Tony Barola, and he's the freedom fighter guy. So he was given money for weapons and to build up his rebel anti-Castro forces. And the hope was that he was going to overthrow Castro and install Verona as the new leader. And that would allow the mafia to come back and resume all their gambling and prostitution and shit like that. Because, you know, if Castro's not there, they can come back and do their shit. So they were all happy about that. That led to the Bay of Pigs invasion which is when the rebel forces, uh, you know, attacked Cuba and just got their asses handed to them. Like, the whole thing lasted two days, and Castro's Cuban forces just slaughtered everybody. After that, the CIA enlisted the help of Agent William Harvey to help the, mob the mobsters with their mission. Harvey didn't trust Giancana and Traficante and suspected that one or both of them might be filtering plans to Castro through an informant. So, this Harvey guy just kind of buddied up with Roselli. The CIA established a dummy corporation known as Zenith, in Zenith Enterprises in Key Largo, Florida. But this, that's what they called their corporation, but what it really was was a quasi-military encampment where they would train rebel armies to fight against Castro. And Roselli was super pissed about the Bay of Pigs invasion. Like, even though he's a mob guy, he felt bad about that shit because he had enlisted all these people and, you know, <laughs> they just went in there and just got their asses handed to him. Well, they got slaughtered so fucking bad. So, he served as colonel of the rebel armies, you know, they were training at the Zenith, Zenith Enterprises. And he personally went on several missions into Cuba where they would, you know, 
give money and weapons and you know things to other anti-Castro conspirators. And the CIA was reported to have a file titled Project Johnny, which contained details of Roselli's heroic missions. Because at this point, like he's a hero. Like one time, like his boat got shot up and like he had to like swim to shore after it sank and everything. So Roselli, even though a monster, is a hero in this anti-Castro war. As of now, that file, nobody knows where that file is, or even if it really existed, is lost. Giancana teamed up with another monster, <coughs> Richard Kane, and they launched their own separate missions against Castro. So, after Kennedy's assassination in 1963, President Lyndon Johnson told the CIA, the CIA to put an end to all the covert ops, and the mobsters found themselves once again targeted by the FBI. They're not protected anyway. So Lyndon Johnson's like, fuck this bullshit. Yeah. He's like, I ain't even do He's too old. He ain't got time. Yeah. He, he's he like, y'all ain't been able to get this shit done. <laughs> he's like, that guy just stole your pills and your money. He's like, we ain't got time. So Giancana and Kane, they fled to Mexico where they operated floating casinos for the mob. And Roselli teamed up with Mayhew, who was the you know, Howard Hughes guy, and they bought out several mob-controlled casinos in Las Vegas for Howard Hughes. So then Howard Hughes has all, has all these uh, casinos. Roselli got busted by the feds uh, for an illegal card scheme that he was running at Fire, the Friars Club. And the feds also found out that he was an illegal alien and started proceedings to have him deported at that time. Roselli didn't want to fucking get deported and didn't want to go to jail or anything, so he says that he's going to fully expose the CIA mafia murder plot against Castro. When word leaked to the press, Roselli and Giancana were both called to testify before a Senate committee examining CIA wrongdoing. Before uh, Giancana could testify, he was shot to death in his own house in Chicago in 1975. Did they catch who did it? No. No? Did they call it a suicide? <laughs> no, 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 no. He's a monster and monsters get shot, so, yeah, you know. That's just, just what happens. Yeah. <laughs> So, with no one to back up Roselli's story, the feds moved ahead with their deportation plans, and then Roselli's attorneys said that he had inside information about the Kennedy assassination. So, he was then summoned to testify before the House about that. Two weeks before he was scheduled to testify, he was found dead in a metal barrel, which was dumped in a waterway near the Fontainebleau Hotel, where all of this had started. Did they call it suicide? <laughs> Suspected uh, Santos Traficante and House investigators. I feel like that name is fake. Say it again. Santos Traficante. That sounds like um the redneck next door that traffics your weed. Like that's just what I would call him. <laughs> <laughs> so House investigators concluded that he was likely a double agent working for both the CIA and Castro, but nothing happened to him at that time, and he actually got hauled into court multiple times throughout the years for, like, other shit with the mob and other shit related to the Kennedy assassination. And see, like, that looks like somebody needs to look into his ass, because yeah. how did he keep getting... And he eventually, he eventually died, like, in the hospital having heart surgery or something. But, yeah, he was hauled in multiple times about multiple different things. He was a shady motherfucker. There were at least eight substantiated attempts by the CIA to assassinate Castro between 1960 and 1965. Cuban intelligence suggests that there were 638 attempts between the presidencies of Eisenhower and Bill Clinton. 
I mean, that makes him kind of like the worst, though. Right? <laughs> he certainly does. Like, I feel like if I was just one day, if I woke up and I was like, I'm fucking murdering Matt. I mean, I might not be able to do it the first time. It's not going to take me 638 <laughs> times. Like, I'm going to get the shit done. <laughs> but these are supposed to be high-power people. Yes. 638 times and I couldn't get it done. I want you to listen to this. Okay. I'm sorry. This shit gets almost cartoonish. And <laughs> is why I love this story so much. So, reported attempts include an exploding cigar. They tried to plant. A cigar poisoned with botulinum toxin. A scuba suit filled with tuberculosis bacteria. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> why do they have tuberculosis bacteria? And why do they have access to that guy's scuba suit? And why does that guy have a scuba suit? Apparently, he liked cigars and scuba diving, so that was that was their focus in in trying to get rid of him. Um, a ballpoint pen loaded with a poison syringe. Um, because I often jab myself with my hand when I'm trying to write. Um. There was an ex-girlfriend with poison cold cream at well, one with, point. With the pen. Oh, somebody else would stab him, maybe? Or, like, if it was one with a little clicky button or something, when you click Oh, if it, it comes out the top! It would that probably, makes probably sense. Get in the finger. That makes sense. I, was, I don't know where I was going. <laughs> it was reported that we tried to dose him with LSD because he had, like, a radio program where he spouted propaganda and we were trying to make him look crazy. Um... There were, it was reported that we tried to blow him up when he was on vacation at the Ernest Hemingway Museum. <laughs> like, That's just un-American. <laughs> so, Castro survived all of these attempts and actually died of natural causes in 2016. Um, did he ever know about all of these? Like, I'm, sure, I'm sure he did. Uh, yeah, he did. And it's funny because when the, the Family Jewels came out in 2007, he's like, yes, America is a killing machine. But I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah. like they try to be a killer machine. They're fucking yeah. terrible at it. <laughs> yeah, but and that's what it came about that you know they they had substantiated the eight, but his people were like, no, it's more like six hundred. <laughs> but he so lived eight. I feel is too many. He he lived yeah, until 2016, where he died of natural causes at the age of 90. Okay, hold on. Um, before we get into it, I don't want to feel like a dumbass, but I'm gonna because we're doing it every podcast. I don't really know who Fidel Castro is. He's or, the dictator of Cuba. Yes. But why do we give a shit about that guy other than he fucked with the he, mob? He's a commie. But he wasn't, what was he doing to us? Nothing. It was just he's, us he's getting in our people. He was yeah. yeah. a communist. Yeah, we, 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 we hated the, right. the communists. But, yeah, but that's pretty that's much crazy. It. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, um, do you have anything you want to do? I don't, I don't have anything. And Ryan's asleep. No, no, not. He's just listening. So y'all want to go to final Rest thoughts? Final thoughts. Final Let's thoughts, do yeah. final thoughts again about goddamn that little pass. A- avalanche all the way. Right. I have no idea what happened, but I mean the whole thing, you know. But you don't. I can't, I can't get past the back. Okay? Are you not well, leaning towards get... one or? Okay, well, does that not put you more towards? They knew it was a military testing type thing. Yeah. You gotta pick one. Okay, okay, then that would probably be my thing. Because that's true. If I dropped dead right now, they wouldn't come in with a Geiger counter. They wouldn't come in with a Geiger counter. Which I had no, I didn't, I didn't think about that when I was researching or whatever. Taylor, what do you think? I think it's the same sound that sounds. But what caused the sound? Was it military Military shit or wind? It couldn't have been the wind from the avalanche? 
Like, it could have it, it been the wind. If you're going with the sound theory, it could have been the wind. Wind. Run. Yeah, I still think it was they they built their shit around some weird gas shit or something that made them go crazy or something. Yeah, gas saving up from the earth. Something like that. Or, yeah, or something, something like also radiated that made them with a Geiger counter. There's got to be something that was out there. But that, if they knew that was it, why wouldn't they just come out and say, and this is what happened? Why they don't want to admit to it. The same reason they didn't admit to the fucking... How bad the but meltdown then, was at uh, Chernobyl. Chernobyl for but a long then, time. But um, then it wasn't on everybody. Everybody wasn't radioactive. So the, the reason I can't get on board with any of the other theories is because most of what we know about it is just hearsay from other people. Yeah, I saw them with orange skin and gray hair. Yeah, that's okay, true. Because well, all of the photos are black and white. Um, there are no photos from the funeral that I know of. Yeah, or... I saw weird lights in the sky that night. But even with the military okay. and the meteorological people calling those in and coming out later and saying, hey, we told those fuckers that we saw this. And then the guy coming out and saying, I told people that people but, were reporting this. And the higher-ups told him, no, don't worry about that. Just Can they absolutely <clears throat> pinpoint it directly over that location? Yes. You talking about the sightings of the spheres? Yes. Yeah. Okay, where's the where's the evidence behind Oh, it's that? on dietlovepass.com. <laughs> <laughs> they got um, pictures, and they got all the records, and they got all the phones. Because and that is apparently run by um, one of the ones who died's, like, sister. The, the reason I say that is because when I see something in the sky, I can't tell you what part of the earth it's over. Because from you're you're at a different perspective. Well, I'm assuming that the way that they decided that was people were probably calling nine one one or whatever they have over there, and this one would be like, no, I'm looking directly up, and there's some weird shit over my fucking house. And okay, but if you were looking directly up, then it would be over your house and not over the campsite where these people were supposedly. But dying. if you look up at the sun, it looks like it's directly over my house. It's also over a bunch of other shit. <laughs> like, and, and that's yeah, the I mean, and that's I, the point. I, I guess, you know, that's they were the, triangulate based on the area yeah, people were calling that, in. That's the point I'm making, though. When you see something in the sky, you can't really pinpoint exactly where it's at. So, I saw it in that general direction. Yeah. Doesn't mean it was directly over where this event took place. Well, and it, what kind of alien shit it is. I mean, it doesn't even have to be directly over. And, yeah. it, and it doesn't mean it's related, either. Yeah. Um, it could have been something completely unrelated. I've got to go... You know, I like the aliens, but I gotta go with military testing. I gotta go with military testing because they were so quick to call it a compelling natural force and then close the case. And then uh, I'm just, they were military testing something. But I mean, if somebody went hiking and then they went missing on their hike and were found under 13 feet of snow, are you really gonna say, okay, let me investigate for years? You're gonna say, yeah, they probably got hit by a fucking avalanche. It's going to be open and shut. But if I knew that we did military testing, I would jump at the chance to say, it's an avalanche, like, oh, it's smoke. But, <laughs> like, A, if you were secretly doing military testing, you want you don't want anybody to know. And B, the person doing the medical examination, you know, the coroner, might not know what the military had been doing. Exactly, which is why they said there was radioactivity, because they didn't know not to say that. But... <laughs> If there was any kind of radiation or anything, again, it wouldn't affect everybody, not just a couple of people. Again, but that's so weird. So, like, why did the one have it? 
Well, I'm still wondering why they even pulled out the fucking diaper powder to begin with. We're never going to get to the bottom of this. We're not going to have to do this. Because that is not a normal thing. That is not. That that could have been a thing where dude was getting an ass load of x-rays done or something, you know. Did they have x-rays in 